Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night shir. And that means every week. Of course, I'd like to extend the shirs for Shalema, for Lisa Shlamas Biracha, Bas Rachel Hinda, Shavarich Hashem Mishanam, Langi Gesunta, Fredach Yarn. This week's Parsha. Pashas Miketz. A drama unfolding. Yesev HaTzadik realizing the error that he had made by asking a non-Jew to present his case, not only to present his case, but to actually bring him to be his salvation, Chas V'Sholem, realizing his error, Yosef HaTzadik is mispal, he davens and prays to be forgiven for this, retracts, and the Torah tells us that Vayishkochehu that Hitaka really forgot as the last week's Pasha finishes. This week's Pasha, we again begin with a dream. A pair of dreams that King Pharaoh experienced But yet, he knew the response, he knew the explanation to the dreams, and understood on his own the interpretation pending would ultimately be the cause, will be the outcome of his dream. In last week's Pasha, when Yosef HaTzadik tells his dreams to his brothers, they interpret the dreams for him. We spoke last week that this ultimately is what caused Yosef HaTzadik to become the ruler over his brothers. This is ultimately what happened, the reason that this all transpired, because his brothers translated, interpreted the dreams in such a way. However, Parai calls his Khartoumi Mitzrayim, calls all his geniuses, all his advisors, all the smartest talented people in Egypt and he tells them the dreams anticipating to see and to hear that they will interpret indeed the way he has seen it and heard it but needless to say they fail miserably 
So we need to talk about the Pasha. This Shabbos is Shabbos Mevorachim Chedish Teves. And of course, we Baruch Hashem find ourselves now the second night of Hanukkah. Hanukkah, a Yom Tif, a holiday, which is very often Pashas Miketz or Vayigash or both. And in this case, we have Pashas Miketz this week, is Shabbos Hanukkah, but on Minch, by Minchel on Shabbos we will lay in Vayigash. So again, connecting both Vayigash and Miketz to Pashas Hanukkah. Shabbos Hanukkah. We've spoken many times, we've told, of course, of the direct connection with Miketz, unlike any other parsha in the Teda, instead of telling us how many psukim there are, it is written how many words there are in Parshas Miketz, which is 2,025. What is the significance of the number 2,025? Each night on Hanukkah we light a candle, a ner. The Hebrew word ner for candle is spelled nun resh. Each letter, we've spoken many times of the Hebrew letter of the Hebrew alphabet, each letter has a numerical value. The numerical value of the letter Nun is 50 or 50, depending where you come from. And the numerical value of Reish is 200. Hence, 250 is the numerical value of the word Ner. Each night of Hanukkah we light a candle, and there are eight nights of Hanukkah, hence. 8 times 250 is 2,000. And of course, as we know, Hanukkah began yesterday, or last night. Today was the first day, tonight the second. And today the Hebrew date is the 25th day of Kislev. So the 2,000, beginning on the 25, is referred to in the words of Pasha's Miketz. There are many different other hints which we have mentioned many times about Tavayach etc. Telling us the hints of Hanukkah. We've also discussed once on previous Yurim on Hanukkah the Gemara Mesech the Shabbos for those keeping score at home 22 side 1 our sages have taught us what is Hanukkah. I'll a small sugya, relatively short in the span over the pages of Gemara. The Talmud does not use more than two sides of a page to go into the discussion of this Hanukkah. Yet there are hundreds and hundreds of questions 
Someone compiled a book, My Hanukkah. We spoke about this as well. Again, we find the story of Yosef extremely relevant, extremely connected to the holiday of Hanukkah with the halachas of the Meneda, the Meneda cannot be higher than a certain amount because ain't ain't a shelter. the entire reason for the Meneda is for Pesume Nisa to spread the miracle to let the world know to light up the dark world that we are in. <clears throat> to light up the world that we are in. The darkness of this world. <laughs> A small amount of light pushes away large amounts of darkness. And if you go into a very dark room and you light a candle, you will see the candle. You will see that flame fighting and conquering the darkness in the room. Even if you're in a situation where the darkness is tangible, you will actually see, almost physically, where the light is pushing the candle dark apart. During World War Two, Yidin Echman al-Tzlan being persecuted, attacked, <coughs> attempted to flee the murderous arms of the Nazis. And in this valiant attempt, people managed to get visas, managed to get papers, false papers, family. Then you had those that were on the run. They were constantly on the run. They never waited to get captured. They didn't sit around in their comforts of their homes and say, Hashem will protect me here. But rather, took action. And were constantly on the run, they would flee from city to city, from country to country. Stories told of one such family that actually secured American visas but although they had the American visa and they had boarded the train and they were heading out of the country to the what would have been freedom for them there was still one more border cross it was the Geyer family 
Yuda and Regina. They had a son, Arnold, and a daughter, Ruth. They had whatever packed food they had with them. They sat waiting to reach the German-Dutch border, which, which point there would be that one last investigation, that one last checkpoint where they would ultimately be able to cross over and save themselves. Unfortunately, for the master of the house, for Mr. Geyer, there was a major problem he had, a major concern. It was the eighth night of Hanukkah. How would he not light the Mineta? How could such a thing happen? The thought was just unbearable for him. How would he survive without lighting the Hanukkah Menorah? But as they sat on the train, he had candles with him not knowing how he would light them. His wife, in turn, saw the inner turmoil, the inner pain that he was suffering. But knowing that there was nothing she could do. Because ultimately, aside from checking their papers, the Germans were very, very, very calculated. And they would be checking their facial expressions They'll be checking practically their heart rate to see are these people indeed legally leaving the country. The train came to a halt. It came to a halt by the border and the barking of the dogs, the two foot and the four foot ones, could be heard all over. The fear was gripping. When suddenly, the most unexpected thing had happened. The entire system of electricity in the train station went down. The entire train station and train was pitch black. Rabbi Yudha decided to seize the moment, to seize this opportunity. He felt this was a sign from Hashem. He jumped up and he found his coat, and he took out of the pocket nine little candles. 
and he set them up on the windowsill of the of the train. And he lit his Shabbos, he made his brachas, and he lit all eight candles, being the eighth night of Hanukkah. Suddenly, as these candles began to radiate, you could hear the footsteps coming closer and closer. Determined footsteps of the Nazi Germans. And as they got closer, the hearts of the family began to race faster and faster with each step and with each bark that they heard outside. A knock at the door, and the door was opened without any waiting for a response. And the German officer said, the lights are all out, we need to check everybody's passports, everybody's papers. We're going to need to use your candles. It's so interesting that you should have remembered to bring candles, to think of taking candles on a journey. The Germans then took everybody's passports and everything, the paperwork, and they were checking it in the light of the candles of the Mineta. They must have been using the light of the Shamas because we all know you can't use the light of the candles of the Mineta. They thanked the Buddha as they left his cabin for the use of the Mineta, of the lights and candles for the fact that they were able to complete their duty miraculously the lights, the electricity returned and the train got out of that station quickly and so the view that his family always very, very, very proudly remembered the Yomtev of Hanukkah and the experience that they had of the small, small light and how it pushed away this tremendous, tremendous darkness. Let us return to the Pasha and hopefully we'll come back to Hanukkah after. Many conversations go down. Pare Yosef, back and forth. Yosef is given a name, Tzafnas Paneach, an Egyptian name, one that he will never use, not even by Pare. Pare gives him the name Tzafnas Paneach because he took him now as second in command of the country. What do you call it? Pare? Because only one Pare, only one Pharaoh. He gave the name Tzafnas Paneach with all its explanations. And Yosef leaves the, pa- the castle. He does not say Tzafnas Paneach leaves. He was Yosef when he came in. He was Yosef when he left. Regardless of this Tzafnas Paneach colossal catastrophe 
Do not move right or left, do not do anything, but to do exactly what Yosef tells you is the command now from King Pharaoh. Now there are many different opinions as to what transpires now in Canaan. Was there indeed a famine in Canaan? Did they actually not have any food? Or did Yaakov decide that he needs to avoid any more antagonistic feelings from anybody? He needs to avoid any more anti-Semitism And therefore he said, let us act like the rest of the world. And since everyone else says there's a starvation, there's a famine, and everyone is going to purchase food from Egypt, we too will go and purchase food from Egypt. So that we can blend in so that people will know that we too are human beings. Nobody should realize how the Abish still looks after us. However, Yaakov turns to his sons and says, go down to Egypt to bring back food. But to the 20 plus year old son, Binyamin, his baby boy, he says, "Uh uh-uh. You are not going, my friend. And the brothers turned and said, but we need to, he said, I'm not interested in what you need to, you will not take Binyamin. Binyamin, the brother of Yosef, Yaakov did not send. For he said, Perhaps an accident will meet him. So we need to analyze what is the osoin, the problem, what catastrophe could God forbid befall him that so concerned Yaakov Avinu. And Rashi says, my dear child, my dear Ben Chomesh the Mikra, I understand you don't understand this. I appreciate it. And Slushna, listen, my dear child. Allow me to explain to you what Eosin we're referring to. Because the Ben Chomesh the Mikra says, Yaakov, most accidents happen at home. If someone is prone for accidents, it can happen anywhere. What does it mean I won't send him? And Rashi immediately expresses in verse 4, chapter 42. Rashi expresses the concern of the Bechamish Namikra. At home, nothing will happen to him? How are you so sure? Omar Abeliezer ben Yaakov. Abeliezer ben Yaakov said, Abeliezer ben Yaakov, for those of you who remember, 
is a Tana that we found that was very, very clear in what went on in the Beis Hamidosh. Mikan, says Rebbe Lazar from here, from this incident, we learn out Shehasotn Mikatrig Mishas Asakana. When something is a time of danger, the Sotan is Mekatrig. He comes and he causes things to happen. Hence the expression, Maisa Sotan. And that's Rashi. Rashi bases on the explanation of Lezim and Yaakov what Yaakov Havino's concern was. First of all, a father can do for ten children what ten children can never do for the father. Yaakov Avinu was a very devoted and loving father to his children. Yet his only concern is what's going to happen to Binyamin. What about Reuven, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda, etc.? If he's concerned that the Satan is going to do something to his child, why was he not concerned about all the rest of his children? Why Binyamin? Bear in mind, at this juncture, Binyamin was 30 years old. He was no little boy anymore. Also, what was so dangerous about this journey to Egypt? Marishtana. They went out every day with their sheep and everything else. Their flock. Why was this journey to Egypt so much different than any other journey that he was worried here that there was danger? And we know from previously, Rashi explains the beginning of Pashas Lechlecha, saying that the roads were not particularly dangerous in this era. So we can't really say that the roads themselves are the ones that were dangerous. And on the, the flip side, if indeed the roads were dangerous, what was Yaakov's concern about the Sotan mixing in? Without the Sotan, it was scary enough. If you're telling me the road is a dangerous journey, then that's more than enough to scare a father. Why have to come on to the fact that the Sotan was going to mix in as well? Let us analyze a father's mind. The mind frame of a father. A devoted, a dedicated, loving father. 
Although many children, especially those in large families, can I not Many children tend to deal with an issue called favoritism. And they are concerned that the parent is showing favoritism to a different sibling, more than to themselves. (coughs) Yaakov Avinu was not like that, although Yasef was the favorite child. But Yaakov Avinu knew very, very well that his son Yosef was missing, or what his children referred to as dead. And what was their quote? A wild animal consumed him. Why? Because he was traveling on these roads. Ah! So from this, Yaakov derives... There's dangerous animals. And because there's dangerous animals, we're putting dangerous in quotation, now he's suspicious and he's careful and he's weary of letting his child, Binyamin, leave his house. Perhaps, God forbid, something would happen to him. And therefore the stress on the words as Binyamin Achayesef, the brother of Yesef. They're not the brother of all the other children. Of course he was. He was the brother of all of them. Half-brother. But Yesef was the brother that was the one that tips the, the scale by telling Yaakov, Yaakov saying that he does not want his son Binyamin to go out. Because we see that his brother Yasef fell into, quote-unquote, sakonis, to dangers of the road, of the passerbys. One accident is not going to fill in the report, is not going to make it or break it to say that the entire family is in danger. But Rachel Imenu also died on the road. And Rashi explains that Rachel passed away from that klola, that curse that Rachel had on the road. So Yaakov now has a trepidation with two of this family Rachel and, Rachel and Yasef both Rachman al-Islam suffered from the journey from traveling this was more than enough for Yaakov to be frightened more than enough for Yaakov to be worried. And therefore, concerned 
that something may happen to Binyamin Chasasholom as well. This was sufficient. This was enough for Yaakov to be worried. The passing of Rachel ultimately came because Yaakov cursed. As we mentioned. Or because she died in childbirth. The road, therefore, was only an extra part of the story. But the fact is that she died because of whatever happened. So that being the case, that Rachel's death on the road was not a road, was not something that a journey caused her death, then why again is Yaakov falling back into this trepidation? And therefore, he goes on to say, that the sudden mekatrik b'shasa sakana, the sudden tends to put up trouble when there is sakana. Since Binyamin is en route, there is a certain danger. That sorrow that his brother Yosef was subjected to. And also, of course, the passing of his mother, Rachel. And that's what Yaakov was concerned would bring the Sutton to come and to, God forbid, try to cause problems for Yosef, for Binyamin. That was good. You did that very well, Atlanta, Georgia. You got yourself in there. Welcome, welcome. Rashi says, Mikan. From here, we see that the Sutton is Mekatri Vishas Sakana. Which, of course, comes to exclude, or it says prior to this, in chapter 38, My son will not go down with you. For something perhaps will happen to him on the road in which you're going. Because from there we did not learn out the Sultan's Mekatrig, the Sultan makes trouble when there's a time of danger. Reason for that is because prior to this pasuk, which is verse thirty-six, it says Yosef einenu, v'shimen einenu, v'asbinyamim tiku. Yosef is gone. Binyamin is gone. Shimon is gone, and now you want to take Binyamin as well. Rashi explains. That he was concerned perhaps they would kill or sell him like Yosef. 
perhaps they would repeat their actions once again. According to this, therefore, we say that Yaakov was not concerned with the dangers of the road. He was not concerned with what the Sultan would come up with. Because first of all, Yaakov was concerned that the brothers themselves would, God forbid, hurt Binyamin. Or at least not look after him properly. Like they did to Yosef, like they did with Shimon. They left them all in the bots. They left them all in trouble. And this is what he was concerned would happen to Binyamin as well. Secondly, the fact that Yaakov suspected that the trouble of Yosef had nothing to do with the road this would ultimately be a danger for Binyamin and that's why Yaakov actually says this would happen on the road the road which you would travel on you have to date it November 11th, November 5th, 2014. It doesn't say, and therefore he says, and he stresses, with you, he will not go down because he was concerned that they would not behave properly with him. But we know back again mm-hmm. in chapter 44 verse 39 in the future in Pashva Yigash Yehuda repeats again the words of Yaakov and Yehuda says And also, perhaps, will happen to him on the road on which you are going. Side both of them. Yeah, because he says, in case any mistakes in this one, if you want to see the sign, these also says you'll have to be filled out over here. Same places. You sign this one, sign that one. Well, I cut them. Gamazem me imponai vekaro elsoim. 
and you'll take this one away as well from me. And Rashi explains over there as well, Rashi explains there as well, <coughs> that the Sultan is Mekati basis Hakana. The Sultan comes, comes about and tries to cause problems when there's danger. But the truth to be told, when Yehuda repeats these words, he says it in front of the ruler of Egypt. He couldn't say that Yaakov suspected what he suspected. And therefore Yehuda says, Vikaro Asain. Yaakov was concerned about the Sultan. fact of Sutton mixing in, the Sutton making trouble for somebody when there's danger and that's why there's many things that we need to be careful in time of danger that we behave properly and we do everything the way it should be done the Sutton only rears his ugly head in the time of danger The Medish says that Ain has Sotan Mikatrik. The Sotan never does it unless there's a time of danger. And Rashi writes the Sotan does it when there's time of danger. But Rashi says the truth is the Sotan can find his way even when there's no danger. But when there is danger, he's even worse. The Rebbe takes one more step with this Rashi. And the Rebbe says, let's see who is saying this. We said before, the quote of the Rashi is, that Elizabeth Yaakov says, for those keeping score at home, in Mesechtis Rosh Hashanah, Tractate Rosh Hashanah, page 4, Dalid Amr Aleph, side 1. A person says, Dame Alai. person says, my value I have to give in the temple. Whatever I'm worth. Almost like Erki Alai. You know what it says? Chayvi Adomin Vea Erkin Vacharomin Viskadches, Chatois, Hashomis, Eilish, Tomim, Tznakis, Meisr, Bechir, Meisr, Meisr Behema. Rashi says, Pesach If a person committed himself to bring something to the temple, a donation, or any of the above, says the Gemara, if three Yamim Tevim go over, three Yamim Tevim pass by us, and The person does not do this. He is going past the prohibition of bevalta acher, not coming late, not tardying. You may not tardy on being on, on fulfilling your commitment. 
However, that's one opinion. Three Yom Tevim. Elazar ben Yaakov says, no. Elazar ben Yaakov says not three, but two. If the person passes by two Yom Tevim and doesn't do what he's supposed to, doesn't bring what he committed to, then the person is already obligated and goes over the love of Balta Acher. So Eloza ben Yaakov is once again mentioned. Eloza ben Yaakov is the one that tells us That not one, not three Yomim Tevim, he doesn't give us the leniency of three, he gives us a stringency saying even only two. The concept of Baltaacher, one may not tardy, is directly connected with the concept of Derech, of the journey, of a person traveling. How else does one go to the Holy Temple? And therefore, as Rashi explains at the end of Pasha's Pinchas, that the Chathchila, a person should try to bring his sacrifices and all his obligations as soon as possible. The proper way to do it is as soon as the person commits to it, the first opportunity they should complete it. If perhaps the road would be too hard for him, the journey is too hard to go up to Yerushalayim, and he's concerned about being over Baltachin. Since Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakim holds that even after two Yomim Tevim it is such, because even though the road is hard to go the first time, and therefore one time it could be hard, but a second time is not acceptable, says Lazar ben Yaakim, and therefore one will be over Baltachin. It will be over Baltachin. In our case, the derech was a problem twice. The derech was a problem for Yosef, and the derech was a problem for Binyamin. And therefore, Elazar ben Yaakov is the one that says Elazar ben Yaakov is the one that says that the derech sakana is the problem now. After the two, after Yesef and Rachel. Hanukkah is a very, very interesting Yom Tif. It's a simple Yom Tif that looks and seems so harmless. But yet, it is so, 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 so severe and so, so stringent. We have many mitzvahs in our lives that we can do quasi. Quasi being that 
Eh. I get the minion, I get the minion. I don't get to the minion, I don't get to the minion. Whatever. As we say in America. Whatever. What do I eat? What kind of foods do I have? Do I keep only Chol of Yisrael? Do I have sometimes not Chol of Yisrael? Do I have only Pas Yisrael? Or sometimes uh, not necessarily Pas Yisrael? What kind of food am I intaking? What am I looking at? What am I? How careful am I? When I light my menorah, can I just light a menorah, any given menorah? Can I just take the simplest and the most inexpensive? Let us look at the miracle of Hanukkah. On the first night of Hanukkah, we make the bracha, Lahadlik Ner, of course, and then we make the bracha, Nisim, that miracle happened to us, and of course then the Shehechiyano. However, each night we make the Sha'asanisim Laveseinu. What was the miracle of Hanukkah when we asked the child? The miracle of Hanukkah, of course, is the oil burnt for eight days. That the king came in and he made all the oil impure, impure, and then. They searched and they found a bottle of oil from the Kayin Gadol. From the Kayin Gadol with a seal on it. Now if we look into the Halachas, if we look into the laws of the oil of the Temple, you will find There's no reason for the Kayin Gadol to have put a seal on his oil. The seal on the oil was not necessary. They made the oil, they put the oil away, and that was it. It didn't have to have a seal on it. Our Kayin Gadol at the time was a Machmir. He was very stringent in everything he did. So much so that he took his oil so seriously that he had a special seal on it. And since The Ness of Hanukkah. Since the Ness of Hanukkah is the oil that was found, because truth to be told, 
The fact that the oil burnt for eight days is a miracle in its own. And each day there, subsequently, we make a bracha because there was another miracle that transpired by the miracle of the oil burning yet another night. Ultimately, enough oil for one night that burned for eight days. There are tons of different opinions as to how that happened, what this is all about. What burnt for the eight days? Did there, did the Kayin fill the Meneda and then it stayed burning for eight days? Did it get less each day? Did it not get less each day? Ah, when we tune in late to a shear, you don't hear all the things. <laughs> or did he put in perhaps only enough for it to turn on, just to light it, and divide it in eight so he'd have enough for eight days, and it burnt the whole night anyway? Many different opinions of what happened. But the fact of the matter is, though, that it burned for eight days, and therefore we have Hanukkah eight days. But if it burned for eight days, it was enough for one day. If it was enough for one day, why the first day of Hanukkah? And the first day, therefore, we say the miracle, the fact they found it. But the fact they found they didn't find just a bottle, they found the bottle with a seal, and therefore the Kayin Gadol told us a message that we need to be mahadrin shibi mahadrin. We need to be careful beyond careful. The many places that Pashas Miketz, as we said before, connect with Shabbos Hanukkah, connect with Hanukkah, whether it be the words of the Pasha, whether it be the Suda that he sits down to with his brothers, the different things that are implied. And we see again in Vayigash, which we read by Mincha. Our master asked us, do we have of Ayach? Yeshlanu of Zokin. We have an of Zokin. The question that was asked was Hanukkah. Yehuda asks Yosef about Hanukkah. Hayesh lechem of oyach. Do you have the opinion of lighting the first night one and the second night two and adding each night of Aleph and then Beis? Oyach. Or do you light the first night Ches? The first night eight, and the second night seven, and the third night six, etc. This is a machlekes between Beishamai and Beishilol. Beishamai says we light the first night eight, and each night one less. And Beishilol says we light the first night one, and we add each night another one. Yesh lanu of zokein. We hold like Hillel Hazakain. And the Yeshlanu of, we hold Aleph Beis. 
We light the first night and then the second night two and the third night three. Because the concept here is Masif Vehilach. The person needs to understand that one needs to strive to add, to grow, to put another step forward. A person cannot stand still. A person cannot become complacent when it comes to Torah and Mitzvahs. So if last year Hanukkah you lit with candles, this year it should be with oil. And if last year you took olive oil from the supermarket, this year you make sure you buy Shemin Zayizoch. And each time to try to find another hider, another way of improving, whether it be a, no, a, a more beautiful manera or polishing that silver manera like you didn't polish it before. Each time to show the love, the dedication, the devotion to the mitzvah, and thereby holding according to Beishilel, that says we need to add, we need to forge ahead, we need to grow, so that ultimately we can strive for the ultimate growth, for the ultimate greatness, which would be that of Mashiach Tzidkenu, which we would merit before we read Vayigash, before we hear that conversation, and we hear it, knowing that Mashiach ben David, Mashiach ben Yasef, stands before us and takes us out of this bitter gullus, and we have a lichtig and a freilich in Hanukkah, and Hanukkah should light up the entire world, world over, wherever one should be, and the air should be increasing Mechayel El Choyel Shabbat Shalom Chanukah Sameach and Rosh Chodesh Tov to all let's cut out Pennsylvania Ocean Avenue now let's get Atlanta Georgia into the picture hey boobs you're on the air. You still recording? I hope not. One second, let me tell you what's going on.